And uh, you can just hit sermons and listen to Pastor Mark last week or the previous weeks in advance. But our goal and our heart in this series is that we want to be a strong, healthy family church. And looking at commitments that are found in the church that would have some characteristics. And uh, we know that, that a strong, healthy church does not just happen by accident. It's not happenstance. It's not just pure luck that, oh man, there's a healthy church. It's not that God favors one church over another church over somewhere else. There are commitments found that are common within healthy churches that are very, very important. And we have to be intentional to make decisions within the church and the people together. Uh, We want to make these commitments. And we've talked about giving up our rights. The fact that uh, as a believer in Christ, we really don't have any rights. We give our rights to the Lord. And uh, we, we give of ourselves in that way. We talked about showing up to church. And, uh, and afterwards, uh, someone, I won't say who, said, you know, we ought to encourage people to show up to church on time. <laughs> and I hadn't mentioned that in my message, but we start at 10 o'clock, and I'll say it you know, now just to be a small encouragement there. But we talked about showing up to church and not just filling a pew, but participating, being interactive, showing up and being a part of what God is doing. We talked about picking up our ministry, that each of us have a part in God's plan for this body. And last week, how many were blessed by Pastor Mark's message last week? I've heard some great comments over and over. And again, you can listen online. He talked about cheering up our brothers and uh, cheering up our brothers. And and he talked about three camps, a camp negativity that we can live in, camp apathy, and hopefully we're moving towards, if we're not living there, camp compassion or camp community. And uh, and he did a wonderful job. Listen online this week, and uh, that was great. Well, today we're going to talk about another commitment that's found in healthy churches. And that church or that uh, commitment is backing up your pastor. And in each of these, we're asking that God would transform our hearts that we would be responsive, that we'd learn to act upon what God is doing uh, in, in, these, in these commitments. And, and today, as we talk about backing up our pastor, the one thought that I had as I was studying, how many have ever heard the, the comment, hey, I've got your back? Have you ever heard that before? Sure. We hear that. I've, I've done a few ropes courses in my day, and many times, uh, most of the ropes courses I've done, you're with a buddy, and you are able to do things with someone else because they, they've got your back, they were looking out for your interest, better than if you were doing it on your own. I know in warfare camp, they talk about having someone to watch your back to, spiritually, and, and, and in those in those special ops, uh, the, the, the um, what's the... What's the thing after warfare camp you could do? Special forces. Yes, and in that, you don't do that on your own. You go through these, through these tests with someone watching, getting your back. My cousin, or Jessica's cousin's husband, he was with us last Sunday, is a firefighter. And the same sort of thing. A firefighter does not rush into a fire on his own. You make sure you've got someone with you, making sure someone's got their back. And then, of course, all across America, in big cities especially, there's gangs. And gangs really take this to the maximum, that they've got your back. And, and the idea that, man, we will protect our own. If you are a part of us, if you mess with one, you're messing with all of them. And uh, there was one family growing up um, that I knew in, in Troy, Michigan, that uh, 
it was a huge family, and there was lots of kids that went to, went to the school and cousins and things like that. And I know if someone was messing with Vinny, that there was a whole slew of others that, were, that had his back. And Vinny would run his mouth, and he was a bad dude, but he had some support behind him, and he could talk that way, and it got him in trouble on occasion. Um, but uh, but I, that, that idea that I've got your back was, was really, really uh, important for that family. And we can all think of stories maybe that, that we've, we've seen that come into play. Well, I believe in a healthy church. I believe that the people back up their pastor. Now, I know what you're thinking. Boy, this is a self-serving message from the pastor. Uh, selfish, uh, you know, he's an authoritarian. And I just want to say, that's not my heart. In fact, there's no Kool-Aid this morning, okay? I'm not going to ask you to drink something you know, at the end of the service to, to, to kind of buy into to who I am. But I do know this, that as we consider uh, healthy churches, the people in healthy churches, they support their pastor. They support the vision and the direction of the church. And it's very, very important that we, that we, that we look at this. In the bottom line, is it, what it boils down to, it's for the sake of unity within a body, for common purpose. There's power. I believe it's God's plan and, and God's best when people support the direction that the pastor is leading. From the bottom of my heart, I believe that the church is still the hope for the world. The local church, not the government not money, not power. It, I'll tell you, it's not Obama. It's not the hope of the world. The local church, God's people rallying together is what's going to bring hope to a generation that's lost. And in our generation, in our community, the local church, as it rises up and as it's strong, as it's healthy, I believe that will make a bigger impact than government or power or money or anything else. I believe God uses his people to make impact. And you know what's interesting, church? Is that Satan, he understands that. He knows that. And that's why he tries so hard to bring disunity, to destroy the, the unity of a church, to divide. And you know, oftentimes the, uh, the devil is very tricky. You say, well, how does Satan attack us as the local church? Well, there's a lot of different ways. One way is through misunderstandings. And as we live, whether it's business or in our homes or raising our kids or here at church, misunderstandings are unavoidable. Wouldn't you, understand, wouldn't you agree? When you have two people together communicating, we don't always communicate well. In fact, even Jesus, as he was sharing in John chapter 6, verses 56 through 66, those 10 verses, John, or, um, Jesus is saying, uh, he's talking about uh, this disciples eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and, uh, and the disciples are like, what? And they didn't understand. There was a misunderstanding, and Jesus had to come back and clarify, and, and Jesus had to do that on a few occasions. Other things that Satan uses to attack the local church, he uh, is perceived rights within the body, and we talked about that, giving up our rights. Sometimes it's personal agendas, and sometimes it's hurts or concerns or bitterness or unforgiveness that kind of creep in to a body. 
And those things become offenses. And if they're not properly addressed, it can attack the church. Sometimes it's power-hungry people. There's a story in the Old Testament of Absalom, uh, power-hungry, wanting to usurp the authority from David, his dad. And, uh, and we know what happened to him. He was riding along in his hair. He must have had some major hair or something, kind of like Holly's hair this morning. That was really pretty. And um, he's riding along, and he gets caught up, and all of a sudden, he's hanging from a tree by his hair. Can you imagine? And some guy comes along and takes, takes care of him. But the problem is, is that no matter where we are, especially in the local church, Satan is interested in attacking. Oftentimes, it's through wolves in sheep's clothing. And we'll explain what that is about and what that might look like. And oftentimes, it's a, through a lack of support or a lack of commitment to the vision, to the heart that, that God has put within the pastor. So how can we best support? How can we best back up the pastor? I want to look at three things, three, uh, three parts to this. I want to talk just a, a moment about the role of a pastor with the expectations there. I want to talk quickly about the authority that, that, uh, that God puts in place, and we'll, we'll be able to go through this pretty quickly. But then the third is where the action is, is protecting that unity. We want to talk about that. And there's three action points that I want you to, to get a hold of. And, and I'll just give them to you now so you can know where we're going. Uh, the, the three protecting unity is that we would all become soundboards, uh, uh, an echo. We'd all become watchdogs, and we'd all become prayer warriors. And we do that because God has great plans, like Holly said, for this body. And to protect the unity, to support the pastor, is absolutely important. Father... I pray in this moment that as we move through this material, God, I pray that it would speak to hearts and lives, that it would be transformational. Lord, you know my heart. I don't stand here this morning full of pride. In fact, I've struggled in preparation. You know, Lord. And God, I just pray that my words would be your words and that, it would, that you would speak through this message. Because as we'll see at the end, God, it's for your glory and for your honor. It's not about any one person, but Lord, it's for your glory, you working through us. God, lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First thing I want to just touch quickly is what's the role of a pastor? We could probably throw out all kinds of, of uh, roles, things that may come to your mind. Well, the Bible talks about a pastor being a preacher and a teacher, a counselor, an equipper in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, nowadays, pastors, especially in smaller churches, uh, become a lot, do a lot of administrative duties, uh, uh, you know, clean bathrooms and, and work on the books and all kinds of things that are added. I love in Scripture when it talks about a pastor's role to be like a shepherd, to love and to care for, to discipline sometimes. Isaiah 62.6 talks about being placed as a watchman over a city, and I believe that's a, one of the roles of a pastor is to be a, a watchman. And I love also when the Bible describes that a pastor is the overseer 
of what is happening in the local body. And as we talk about being an overseer, that's a vision caster, the big, uh, the big picture type person. And along with that, there's some added responsibility. James chapter 3, verse 1 says that a pastor will be held to a higher standard, will be judged more strictly. With my role as a pastor, I know that I am held to a higher accountability than others that don't teach, that don't lead in that capacity. But man, I'll tell you, I love my job. And I'll tell you, sometimes it's frustrating, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes Jessica and I were like, what in the world are we doing? If we were honest, there are times and we say, man, it's not worth it. There's the pressure or just whatever. But then the other times there's great joy and there's great, great excitement about being in God's work. Before you say, you know, boy, I'd like to sign up for that, just know that there's a lot that goes along with it. And I want you to pray for me, and we'll talk about that, being a prayer warrior. Pray for Jessica. But what I do love about the Bible is that it says in many different places that, that a pastor or those that are leading in authority, they are deserving of a double honor. And I say, hey, I like that. <laughs> There's some restrictions, some, some things that we're going to be held accountable, but it says, hey, we're, we're deserving of double honor. I want to turn to a couple of these really quick um, just to kind of set a, uh, a precedent. And now we're going to flip through these kind of quick, but turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says this. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. So we must give an account. It says, Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no advantage to you. And then verse 18 says, pray for us, and we'll get to that this morning. If you flip a, a little bit in front of that, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says, the elders or the pastors who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in the preaching and teaching. I like that. 1 Thessalonians, you flip a few pages in front of that, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 24, won't take the time to read it all, but at verse 12 says, now we ask, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you. He's talking about uh, the, the church at Thessalonica. He's saying, respect them, honor them, and, and to make sure we do that. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse 29, again, uh, when Paul is leaving the Ephesians, uh, or actually he's sending Epaphroditus, he's saying, look, um, uh, let's just turn there because I can't read my writing. Philippians uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 29, he's saying, he's saying, look, honor. He's sending Epaphroditus. In verse, uh, verse 29, he says, welcome him in the Lord with great joy. And then it says, honor men like this. To honor him. That's what my note said. Honor men like this. I just couldn't read it. And so we do that. And so there's a role of this pastor to be an overseer, to be a shepherd, and to be uh, all these things. And, and it, it's a big responsibility, but with that comes added responsibility, but with it there's great joy. And if, if the body is, is, is obeying God's word, there's an honor and a respect that comes with that. Now, understanding the role and the responsibility, I want to look at the authority that God places within a church. Turn with me to Romans chapter 13. 
Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. We won't read all these verses, but in verse 1, primarily, talks about the authority that God gives. It says, everyone must submit, to him, submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that, that exist have been established by God. The way we believe God has put the team together here at the Gateway Church, we believe that God is the head of the church. Amen? God is in control. He cares more about this body than I do. But then God has given to the church a pastor to oversee, to shepherd, to love, to care for. God has given that. He has placed that in authority. And then underneath the pastor, there's the staff, which we have one staff pastor who does a great job, Pastor Mark, and then the board, the elders, and then the members and attenders, and that would include all of you, to support the direction of the pastor. That's the way God intended it, to back up what God is doing in the local body. Real quick, Ephesians chapter 5, 21 says, submit to one another in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 16, 16 through 18 talks about submitting to the leadership that is over you. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, similar uh, one, chapters 5, uh, 1 through 6. We'll take the time to read it, but I'd encourage you, 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 6, look it up. And it talks about that authority and respecting that in the local church. So we understand the role, we understand the authority that God has placed, that God is the one who has put the leaders in place. I want to talk to you about backing up our pastor, backing up your pastor, backing me and my wife, my family up. And the reason we talk about that, and I believe the reason Scripture talks about all these things is because God wants us as a body to protect the unity that we have that God wants. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I know I've been flipping through a lot of verses, but I really want you to look at this one and underline this in your Bibles if you, if you do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10 says this. It says, I appeal to you. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and in thought. I'm going to read it again. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you are all agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and in one heart. How can we, as a body of believers, protect the unity of a church? How can we back up the pastor, so to speak? And I believe the first way is by echoing the vision, echoing what God is doing, the direction that the church is going. Dave Williams says this, the people of a church need to echo the pastor's vision for the church you need to become like little echoes, kid brothers and sisters, repeating God's vision 
over and over. For those of us that have kids, we've seen this in our kids. When, we, when uh, one of our kids get their mind to something, they will say it over and over. If there's a vacation in the near future, we'll hear about it and they'll share it and they'll, they'll echo it over and over. We're going to Mackinac Island with the church this Friday and my son, Logan, if you asked him about it, he would tell you, yeah, we're going to Mackinac and we're going to tent camp and we're going to do these things. We're taking our bikes and he's like a little echo of what we've shared with him. He is communicating to others and, and he's proud of that and he's, he's sharing that. Now, the benefit of when we do that, like kid brothers and sisters repeating God's vision over and over, it says, Dave Williams continues, he says, when you do, you stoke the fires of that vision and make it more intense and more powerful. Think about it, echoing the vision. So when I make a sound saying, hey, this is the direction we're going, and we, we, we do that corporately and with the covering of the board, and, and hey, this is the direction we're going, I hit a bong, I bong the cymbal, you guys can echo that over and over and over where you go. You get on board, you share it, you talk about it, and you echo the vision. Now you say, well, what if we're not in agreement uh, with, what, with, with the direction that, that the church is going? Well, I believe there's some proper steps to follow, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. So we're backing up the pastor by protecting the unity of the church, by echoing the vision. The second thing is watching out for wolves. Wolves in sheep's clothes, sheep clothing. Now, I understand it's hard to get our mind around the fact that some people don't have pure motives. They'll smile and greet and shake hands with, with people, and you would think on the outside that everything is good. But a wolf in a sheep's clothes is someone that will come in to the flock and nip at the feet of the sheep, try to destroy and to attack. And they may put on the sheep's clothing, but, uh, but underneath that, they're, they're savage wolves, like the Bible says. And you know, when I think about this, wolves are a fact of life. In Acts chapter 20, you can turn with me there, Acts chapter 20, um, verses 28 through 30, again, Paul is leaving the Ephesians church, and he's talking to the pastors, to the elders of the church. And he says in verse 28, he says, Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. So he's telling the pastors, keep watch over, and the leaders of the church, to keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock. Not only to be watching for others, but even to watch over your own attitudes in your own heart of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Then it says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. He bought with his own blood. And then he says, verse 29, I know that after I leave, this is Paul leaving the Ephesian church, he says, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. 
So be on your guard. We are to be watchdogs, to be watching for wolves, watching out for wolves. Now, how do you know if someone's a wolf? Well, first of all, a wolf will not echo the vision and the the direction that a church is going. They'll have their own agenda, their own motives. Now, I know that the fact is that every pastor, every pastor I've ever talked to, they receive questions, they receive criticism, they receive skepticism as they cast vision, as they are leading. That is very normal. How many have heard of pastors kind of living in a fishbowl where everyone's watching and everyone's looking? And, and that's a reality that Jessica and I, we bear, and Pastor Mark and, and Julie, they bear that, that there's a lot of truth in that. But a wolf will not echo the vision. A proper way, uh, they, they will come in with wrong motives, not a heart to see the church grow and to be what God would have, but they would have their own agenda or, or other bitterness or unforgiveness that is driving it. Now, a proper way to, when you do, if there was criticism, if there is uh, uh, questions or, or skepticism, there's proper way to do that. And we'll see that in just a moment in Matthew chapter 18. So we are not only echoing the vision, we are watching out for wolves. So we're echoing, we're watchdogs. But the third thing, because, like Spiritual Warfare Camp teaches, because the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of this dark age, right? I'm looking at Joe there. You you had to memorize it a couple weeks ago? Yep, I remember. But because of that, we need people And in a strong, healthy church that are backing up their pastor, we need prayer warriors praying for the pastors. You know, when we think of Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was just a stellar of a guy, right? We can study him all day long. Well, Paul, in Romans chapter 15, verse 30, he asks for prayer. He says, hey, pray for me. And I would stand before you saying, hey, pray for me. Because prayer, when you pray for someone, It is a unifier. There's love when you pray and ask for God's heart in a circumstance over someone. I've found that when I've had an issue with someone, uh, where I've uh, been at odds or there was some confusion in in a relationship, in fact, even recently, I was encouraged, and I've done this before, I began to pray for that person. And as I would do that, God would soften my heart. And instead of seeing that person the way Ben Vey would see them, I would, God, with his help, you're able to see that person the way God sees that person. And it just covers a multitude of sin, doesn't it? When we start to pray and ask God to move. So there's three things to back up our pastor, to protect the unity echoing the vision, watching out for wolves, and being a prayer warrior, praying for the leaders that are among us. And I'd ask you this morning, how are you doing in that? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and in your situation, in your family, or in your community? And I know we have some guests that maybe attend other churches. And how, What is God speaking to you this morning? 
We probably have some among us that would say, hey, I echo the vision. I'm a watchdog and I am a prayer warrior. And I'd say, great, that's wonderful. Continue to do those things. Others of you may say, well, I may do one or two of those things to back up my pastor, but maybe I'm lacking in some. And others may say, man, I need, I need some work. And, uh, and boy, I, I, maybe I haven't done a good job backing up the pastor by being an echo, being a watchdog, or being a prayer warrior. And I realize that in life, that life throws us into relationships, and relationships can get messy, can't they? And there's misunderstandings, there's offenses, there's bitterness and unforgiveness that can creep in very easily. And the Bible gives us a model to handle those types of things. And we've talked as a board and as a staff the way we desire to work some of those types of situations out. And I've asked uh, Rick Evelyn, um, one of our board members, to share what we've talked about and how we've communicated to others um, on occasion of some of the proper steps to take when there is that odds or when there is a question, or there is a concern, or there is an offense. And Rick, I want you to come, and I want you guys to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. And in Matthew chapter 18, uh, Rick's going to read kind of our guide, God's Word, and then I want to share, you can share however the Lord would lead you at this moment, okay? Okay, let's read uh, God's Word first. Matthew eighteen fifteen. It says, if your brother sins, go and reprove him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax gatherer. I want to continue reading because I think we get the, the full flow of uh, this, this uh, section of Scripture. Because it says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that you may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. And I think that's the, that's the, the main crux here. It's about unity. It's about walking together. It's about, about communicating with each other because that's what our Lord says. Our Lord says when we come together and we communicate, that's where he is. He's in unity. And then Peter, I love Peter. Mm -hmm. Peter says, then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? So Peter thought, boy, I'm really on it. 
<laughs> I'm going to forgive seven times. And the Lord said, Jesus said to him, I, did, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And really what that means is it's unconditional. And that's what our Lord's heart is, is to come together uh, and walk in unity, communicate, because there's unity in diversity. Every one of us brings special gifts, special perspectives in a body. And when we can see each other's diversity in unity, that's what makes us special. And so what we have encouraged uh, as leadership recently is that if you have a question about anything that's happening at this church, the direction of this church, you have a question about why was a decision made or why wasn't it made or where are we going, ask. Ask. Because the Lord desires for all of us to walk in unity. And please do that. So we're making it a, a welcome to all of you. Don't wonder. Don't wonder about where we're going, what we're doing. Uh, if you want to know, ask. And it talks here about the importance of not having division. And so please, if you have a question, come to leadership. Come to Pastor Ben. Come to our board members or whoever it may be. That is so important because we want you to be informed. We want you to know where the church is going. And we want to resolve questions if there are any. Okay. That is so important for the unity of a body of believers. It's no different in a family. We're one, we're one big family. And that's what's going to make us strong is when you bring forward a question or you have a perspective in that diversity, that's what makes us strong. Because we've had people have come, and that's what I wanted to share as well recently, and we've had some great meetings with a few of you mm -hmm. who have come forward and said, I've got some perspective. I want to share my heart. And boy, we've grown. Absolutely. We've learned some things that we didn't know. Okay. So I, we, we want to thank those individuals that have done that. So we want to make that available to all of you. Mm -hmm. Continue to walk together. And then when we do that, and we do it in love, mm -hmm. then we can continue to have a powerful church that's doing great things for God because he's our Lord. He's the head. And as I've said uh, to the board, it's like an orchestra. The Lord is the conductor, and we are part of the orchestra, and each of us get to play an instrument, and that's our lives. And when we are all playing together, we play make beautiful music, right? That's right. Hmm. And how many of you been, have been to an orchestra where everybody's tuning up before the conductor comes? What does it sound like? Not so good. Not so good, does it? Everybody's kind of warming up. Everybody's doing their own thing. But boy, when that conductor steps up to the, the platform, 
and raises his or her arms and says, now we're going to play, then beautiful music plays. And that's our desire as the leadership of this church, that we will make beautiful music together mm -hmm. in that diversity, in that giftings that each of you bring. And we want to know your heart. We want to know what you're thinking. So that's, and, and if you have a question again, please ask, okay? So it's just our heart to say we've had some great meetings and we wanna, we're going to have more sure. because this is our body. We, we are the body of Christ That's right. at the Gateway Church. So God be the glory. Amen. Thanks, Rick. And it's so important for us to realize that as a body, we come together and life can be messy. Life can be, you know, there's going to be things. But we can't allow, allow Satan to divide us. And it starts from the top down. And I'm asking for your help because I've seen in healthy churches that there is a support of the leadership and of the, of the vision that God is, is, uh, is impressing upon the leadership. And why is that? It's for the sake of unity, like we're talking. So how can you protect, and I'm going to wrap up here quick, how can you protect unity? How can you support in a practical way? How can you become an echo or a watchdog or a prayer warrior? One of the verses I learned many years ago, memorized, is 1 Timothy 4.12. Learned it on a kid's uh, memory uh, CD. But it says, in everything, be an example, to be an example in our speech and in life and in love and in faith and in purity. We want to do this. We want to be watching out, supporting that. And it's for your benefit. God will bless you as you stand with us in unity. There is joy that comes and there's strength that comes. But the bottom line, even more than the blessings that will be poured into your lap, which we could talk about for a moment, but more than that is that we are desiring as a church to have a touch from God. And I believe that God responds when we are working together in unity. Two examples in Scripture that came to my heart this week. The first is in Acts chapter 2. When the people were together, there started in the upper room 500 or more. And it kind of dwindled down to 120. And the Bible says in Acts 2, uh, it says that they were in one accord. They were in unity, seeking God, praising God. And the Spirit of God fell and 3,000 were added to the church by those that were saved. The power of unity. There's a story in 2 Chronicles. Uh, in 2 Chronicles, if you read through uh, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, we see that Solomon, uh, he first of all asked for wisdom in, in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he does the preparation of the temple, uh, saying, hey, how are we going to do this? Number three, uh, chapter 3 talks about the building of the temple. Then they furnish the temple in chapter 4. In chapter 5, they bring in the Ark of the Covenant, brought in the, the presence of God. And at that point, in chapter 7, they dedicate, after Solomon prays, a prayer of unity, and they're in unity together. And listen what Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7 says, when Solomon finished praying, so all of this had happened, and they were in one accord, and they, they had worked hard, fire came down from heaven 
and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord had filled it. And then all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of God above the temple. They knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and they gave thanks to, thanks to the Lord saying, he is good, his love endures forever. What I want you to see there is that when we can work together, when we can support the vision, the directions, back up the pastor, there is great unity. And that's when the power of God falls. The glory of the Lord will be among us when we can do that. And not only among us, but others. Those outside the temple saw the glory. They knelt on the pavement. They were touched. Their faces to the ground. And others worshiped and praised. This commitment is found in healthy churches, backing up the leadership, backing up the pastors. None of us have arrived. This one is challenging, just like giving up our rights is challenging, or showing up to church is challenging, or picking up our ministry, or cheering up our brothers. But I think as we talk about this, we want to cover it in humility and in love. The Bible talks about a pastor being an overseer. I'm going to ask that you guys would stand at this point. And just want to explain one other piece that may be helpful. An overseer kind of sees the big picture. If you can imagine the church, the gateway church, being a, being a pie, the overseer sees the whole pie. And at times, you know, when there are concerns or, or situations uh, that, that, are, that are, have questions, um, sometimes you see one, one slice of the pie. And as you do come, and as we talk through things, our goal is to be able to share and continue to share uh, the bigger picture and how all these pieces fit together. I guarantee you the heart of our board and my heart, Pastor Mark's heart, is to see God be glorified in it within our midst. And I'm asking this morning, like I've seen in many healthy churches, a support of the leadership. I'm asking that you would stand and support what God is doing here at the church. And I believe when we do that, God is going to receive the glory and all the honor. Do you believe that? Amen. I'm going to ask the board members to come. They did not know I was going to do this. But I want you to come, board members, and I realize it's 12 o'clock. <laughs> I want you to come. We've got four incredible guys that love and support this church. They love and support me, and I appreciate it because I can make, us make a pretty good mistake every now and then. But uh, I'm just going to ask that you would just stretch your hands towards us. And Jessica, I want you to come with me as well. And, uh, and I want you guys to pray for us for a moment, just, in, just where you are. We're not going to have a public, but uh, as we stand in unity. And uh, Julie, why don't you come too and, and represent Mark and Julie, little Joseph there. 
you can come and hold Jessica's hand. But we appreciate you standing, backing us up. I'll tell you, it means a lot, doesn't it, board? Absolutely. Let's have a moment just quietly before the Lord, and then I'll close in prayer. God, you're so good. Your mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Lord, for this team. Pastor Mark and Julie, for my awesome wife, Jessica, for each of these board members. Thank you, God, for leading us and guiding us for your glory and for your honor. And God, you know our heart is that we want strong, healthy family church where kids are falling in love with you and serving you and teens are serving and never falling away for families to worship together in unity. God, I pray that you'd continue to craft what you would have for us. Speak to us, Lord, as leaders and to guide us as overseers. And God, I pray that we would be able to communicate that well, to avoid confusion, to avoid misunderstandings. But Lord, when there are, I pray that we would come together in love and humbly and continue to see your hand at work. Lord, we expect great things. Continue to lead, continue to guide, and we'll give you all the praise, and you will receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Have a wonderful day. If you're interested,